Welcome to Sunday Morning Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Sunday Morning in the Word, where we study the Word of God systematically. Let's pray and get right into our lesson tonight. We're going to, or today, we're going to um, begin with Ephesians chapter 2, and I think we're going to focus on there. We are going to reference Second Peter chapter 1 first, and um, I believe those are the main primary passages for today. We are going to embark upon the nature of God, transforming the God complex. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make bold and known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start in... um, there's one more scripture that I want to to actually start in, and that's found in Deuteronomy. Start with the Old Testament passage, and then we'll go to the New Testament passage. Then we'll go to our focal passage of today. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 16. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 16. And it reads, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, and to serve him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all of thine heart and with all of thy soul, to keep thy um, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heavens of the heavens of the Lord is the Lord's, thy God, the earth also, with all that is therein. Only the Lord had delight, had a delight in thy fathers to love them. He chose their seed after them, even above all people, as it is this day. Amen. And then I also want to go to Second Peter chapter 1. And let's read verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, according as his divine power hath given us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who hath called us unto glory and to virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption 
that is in the world through lust. And then the focal passage which we'll be dealing with today, let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read this out of the NIV version, which you know is different from me, but I like the way it reads for the sake of us developing our points. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth were called uncircumcised. And if you um, was put a special note that the circumcision devotion was established in Deuteronomy chapter 10 under the leadership of Moses, and of course you know God had chosen them to be a people. So here in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, Ephesians is establishing a reality that this is the same community that I'm speaking to in light of of Jesus' work that he did with his death and his burial, having changed it so that all could come into the knowledge of the truth into the commonwealth of Israel. So here um, he is speaking to the church of Ephesus, who were mainly Jews and um also, um, in this particular passage, he is embracing, uh, uh, here, is, here is the reality of where we all stand with God. So let's read that again with this comprehension in mind. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners of the covenant of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commandments, commands and regulations. His purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both them through God, them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Amen. Consequently, verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people who are also members of his household, built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in, in him, you too, being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So here we are introduced to the nature of God. And our goal tonight as our topic is to transform our perspective by transforming the God complex. So the whole uh, 
aspect of the nature of God, the purpose and the goal and the objective is is mainly to to refocus and to refuel the foundation of our connection with God, how he exists to us. So focusing on the nature of God is what provokes the process of theology. It's finding the thread of these thoughts that gets us into his uh, to recognize his patterns, his plans, his passions from the pulses of his heart that is worth finding. My grandfather would say it like this, find the God of the Bible, indicating that the value of learning the scriptures for finding out exactly who God is and how he operates uh, can be achieved without genuine search toward him. Clarity must be the foundations of our belief system, and we should not only know what we believe but who we believe in and why. Focusing on the nature of God establishes our confidence in believing on what he has and intends to do, which is in essence develops our faith. Anything noted for faith is based on the acknowledgement of the embedded beliefs that backs it. Recently in prayer, I was provoked by the Holy Spirit to, in his words um, that came to my spirit, rethink and expand my God complex. And I initially knew, uh, knew within um, to one do research, but I also knew that based on my research, that my mental complexes um, needed to expand um, my view of God. So. Our psychological states, our life patterns, parenting dynamics, perceptions, persuasions are all built on the boldness or the state of how we view God and um, and what we know he will and can do for us. At first I was going to name this first series the God complex itself, but in my heart I knew that the complex wasn't the problem, it was my complex. My confines on his given abilities unintentionally built over time that was collapsible. And I had to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, um, avoid the Jesus will work it out syndrome. When in reality it was my faith drought that was expanding the disguised fears and frustrations that could only come through a resolve through my choice making and developing confidence in his finished work. This demanded a retouch on knowing my redemptive rights, reviewing faith's role in life, and not only what he, Father God, can do inwardly and externally for my situations of life, but his sustaining power also in the circumstances that are contrary to the usual steadfastness. If we are not careful, we can collapse our own divine complex, making his intentions for our lives of none effect, held up by held up by our own head. This is done constantly when we neglect the enhancements to daily devotion and walking in a transformed in the light of the Holy Spirit. But we will get into a dialogue a little later with the Holy Spirit and unfold um, unfold what it takes to uh, transform. Our God complex. So this discourse awakens recent dialogue that I personally had 
uh, with new upcoming Christian leaders as well. And to my shock and amazement, I found out that many educatedly inclined uh, individuals struggle with various aspects of God, inserting uncertainties of their soul and their claims of a firm faith, neglecting the primary of his primaries of his character and voicing their proclaimed theology. The little questions that they have not resolved often become the esteem of their neglect from sound doctrine and authentic Christian discipleship. So the successive lessons will systematically outline these courses of action, what, what it will take to transform our complex, God complex so that in turn we can grow to godliness. Now, in having launched this advanced study of godliness, we want to provoke a deeper reflection on how we qualify our encounters with God for developing godliness in our lives. We know in our hearts and in our own efforts, we must maintain this only and through and by the power of Christ. And with this in mind, we will present and affirm our faith in our access to God. So tonight's key word is access to God, to transform our lives um, in living in these discovered confidences that establishes us to the ascribed lives and benefits uh, classified in Scripture as Christianity. And in doing so, we will provide a clarified platform of practical truths and patterns concerning the shapes, uh, concerning God that shapes and enhance our perspective to godliness. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, the, the letter uh, begins, actually, the, the letter brings together the, the Jewish culture and the Gentile culture and offers the ministry of reconciliation through and by the Lord Jesus. In the particular, uh, in the overall context of the book, we know that the six chapters really give the theology of the New Testament, being that everything that is provided for God and as far as our access, our acceptance of salvation, our access to God, our acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit is all capitalized in our connecting, um, our connecting with his love, his love. The core of who he is, God is love. And so, if 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 our concept of God is screwed, if it's uh, skewered by society and secular humanism and uh, social um, malfunctions and and um, uh, setting, you know, the setting up of parenting that was distorted. If all of, if our if if who God is is messed up in our lives then everything else in our lives will not be able to connect to the the ordained, pre-planned, pre-approved path that God has for our lives. And in reading the 11th through the uh, 22nd verse, there are things that we can reflect on drastically in this particular text. We can reflect and remember what God has brought us out of through salvation afforded through the blood of Christ, our salvation who um, he, through his mercy, brought back us back in fellowship with God to become a people of promise. We also can resolve that Christ's redemptive work has been the route of escape from the separation of our access to God and his working in his reality, which gives us rights. 
to live as children of God. We also have revelation of the work that awakens a new humanity, and I love the way the NIV translates that because that's exactly what happens at salvation. We become conscious of God, that he is leading us, being transformed to be spiritually aware by the Holy Spirit, which sparks a rise within to become a new nature. And I want you to understand that if this is not really known, no matter what part of, of salvation that you claim, if that if that new nature aspect of, of the salvation process is not affirmed in your mind, it's not affirmed in your hearts, your belief then becomes shaky because God is not secure. And God is secure in our belief system. So it also tells us that the treasures behind the text as it pertains to godliness is this. Until we are certain that we have access to God, everything surrounding his plans, his pursuits, and his provisions are merely theoretical. And that, my friends, if you walk with God for any period of time, and the very core, if the foundations be destroyed, the Old Testament would say, what shall the righteous do? If that aspect of your Christian experience is not affirmed, who God is and what he will do for you, if that is not affirmed, his provisions, his pursuits, and his plans are theory, and then you don't take it seriously. We also see that as it pertains to godliness, that there are certain doctrines of the faith that must be understood completely before progressing into his nature because his nature can only exist when we are aware of who we are and why we exist. And many times you will find that Christians will, will, will live a long period of time, or people, period, will live a long period of time uncertain about who they are, what they're supposed to do, why they're here, how, um, when they're supposed to act on what they're supposed to do. And, and as long as those why, what, who, what, when, where, and why questions concerning them are not answered and discovered in the presence of God, then they will go to other people trying to find those things out. And, and, and the delay is not on God, but more so our neglect. But if we draw nigh to him, he's already drawn drawn nigh to us. So this is a very uh, evaluating message to say to us today that God cannot be taken for granted and we cannot escape the evaluations that we must provoke within us to access, to have access to his nature. And we know that his nature is a promotion to existence. Jesus said it like this, 316, John, I came that ye might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, there are three distinctive uh, uh, doctrines that it, it discovers in, in, the, in, the 20, in the 11th through the 22nd verse. And the first one is, uh, is, is salvation, verses 11 through 13. Uh, renders salvation, which is salvation is the work of recovery and restoration of personal liberty through providing eternal security. It is the work, uh, the recovery and restoration of personal liberty through providing eternal security. And in verses 13 through 15, we see redemption. Redemption is the work of the 
that buys back the the buys back and regenerates our right standing with God through the sacrificial work of his cross and his resurrection. And then we also see that uh, that reconciliation. I love the word reconciliation in verses 16 through 22. We see that reconciliation is the enlightenment of an uncommon unity in our heart that emits the fruits of the Holy Spirit that provokes us to love God and to exist in his love, um, which also helps us to exist with one another in his character, his conduct, and his commitment. So we see salvation, we see redemption, and we see reconciliation. Now, also, uh, there are three resolves that we must do, and this is where I get to the points of the text for tonight. Remember, in the goals, I want to provoke you to a deeper reflection. I want to uh, present and affirm our faith, and then I want to provide practical principles to help you make this happen. Uh, first of all, I want you to understand this. There are things that we must do. I'll give you the three points, and then I'm going to express them in the in the five points. Number one, I want you to evaluate your state of faith. Number two, I want you to establish an open heart to transform itself through reflecting on the Word of God. And then I also want you to equip yourself with the knowledge of God's nature. Equip yourself with the knowledge of God's nature. Now, when when I say uh, examine yourself, I'm referring to 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in faith. That's the power. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that your own selves know that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Which lets us understand that there comes a point in our lives where we have to examine ourselves. We have to really determine, are we really existing in faith? Are we really existing in the realities of God's nature? Are we really existing in who we should be in Christ? Do we really know Jesus? Do we really know God? That's what the nature of God forces us to reflect. It it forces us to have an encounter with raw truth. It is what it is, and this is what we're going to do as a result of it being it is what it is. It also means that we're going to embrace the enlightenment of the mind, that we're no longer going to conform to the ways of the world, but we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that renewal process will help us prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But that cannot be achieved until we have an encounter or an experience with the Holy Spirit. For it is the Holy Spirit that enables us to live the Christian life, And the Bible says that the natural man cannot obtain the things of God, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So until we have that encounter with raw truth, embrace men of enlightenment, and we experience the Holy Spirit, the evaluation process of faith will never occur. So in order to do that, we have to acknowledge that there's a need for more. We have to acknowledge there's a need for more. We have to avoid the the religious tendency to harden our hearts, to become numb to the truth, to nullify our convictions with our character. We have to avoid the religious tendency to harden our hearts. And then we have to advance in knowing the scriptures. There is nothing worse 
than God providing a clear, prescribed way to get out the courses of life, uh, courses or the circumstances of life, and we avoid the basic knowledge of knowing the scriptures. So then from there, we must awaken to deeper realms of communicating with God. We, we say prayer, and yeah, I can say deeper realms of prayer, but really when I'm saying prayer, I'm talking about communicating to God, where when God speaks, you listen. But also not only do you listen, you learn from his voice. Because a lot of times we speak and we expect him to listen, but we don't take time for for us to listen so that he can speak and we learn from what he speaks. And that's a part of the work that we all must provide when we awaken to deeper realms of prayer. So not only are we acknowledging the need for more, avoiding religious tendencies to harden our heart, advance in the knowledge of the scripture, we are awakening to deeper realms of communicating to God through prayer. And then we must accept the reality of of a driven of a driven pursuit to God. Now the second point that I want to make tonight is establishing an open heart to transform through reflecting on the Word of God. Now what I would what what I would normally do but for time's sake since we have a few minutes left, of course you know Proverbs four 423 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. I want you to reflect on Matthew 13, the parable of the soil, um, because the scripture says that if you don't understand that particular parable, you won't understand anything that Jesus is saying, and Jesus is saying he's only regurgitating what God has said to him. So those lessons that he's preaching, when he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, giving, revealing parables to to the world for us to all hear prophetically what God is going to be doing or what rather God has done. That should be our reality. Those things are, are very key, but we cannot we cannot go anywhere in God if we don't understand the parable of the fo- of the soil which which lets us know it's not necessarily what God uses to get our attention, it's how we condition ourselves to receive what He's given us. Um, and what I mean by that is this the the seed is the word of god the parable of the soil is that how the how the word of god affects the ground of that soil will determine how much it produces and if and if it's shallow in our hearts it will be shallow in our lives the word of god so the only way we're going to be able to get the most out of the word of god is to open up our heart to open up our heart to be transformed through the reality of his word and the reflecting on his word, which means not only do we read it, but we resolve to be devoted to hearing God through his word. The strongest voice of God is the written word of God. And to not develop a superior respect and reflection on the word of God is what will diminish your relationship with God. Because if you abide in me, and I abide in you, and my word abides in you, then you can ask. Some of us can't even ask because we can't even approach him because we have no regard for his word. And that is what Ephesians uh, 2 says. This is the reality that brings us together. God's love, and, and the Bible says he places his word before his name, but God's love for us 
will will change our hearts. And, of course, you know, the, uh, the heart state is the life state. Where the heart is, so is your life. If you want to keep someone out of the the uh, the, the reality of God, keep their heart out of the love of God. Keep their um, hearts hardened from God. Amen. So Ephesians, uh, Psalms 4 and Matthew 13 are great for that. Well, let's wrap wrap it up. Of course, in Ephesians chapter 2, the revolving themes is that God is rich in mercy. God has raised us up together in Christ. God has uh, riches of his grace through the ki- his kindness toward us, and he has reconciled us through the blood of Christ. All of those things have, 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 have enabled us to exist in confidence in God through his salvation, his redemption, and his reconciliation. And it also, uh, this, it brings us to our third point. We have to equip our life with the knowledge of his nature. And equipping our life with the knowledge of his nature is knowing this, these three things that are so basic about God, but yet it's so profound. And I'll close with this in prayer. First, we must know that God is spirit. And he seeketh such for um, those who know that he's spirit to worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. Right? Then, then secondly, God is our salvation. God is our salvation. And thirdly, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. I'll close with a story that that um, I was working on a house one time doing some insulation. And I was working actually with my father on a Saturday. I think it was a Saturday morning. And we were going into this retro house, an older house that already had the walls, but we wanted to pull up the... Um, um, we wanted to pull the old walls out, take out the um, insulation that was contaminated through time and put in new uh, appropriate co- um, things so when they rebuild the walls, the walls wouldn't sink from uh, or, you know, would have enough sound barrier and warmth in it so that the house can exist in good heat. And when we were, when we were putting up there, there was a song by Daryl Coley, God is Sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to. And tears begin to flood down my eyes. And um, I had an encounter with God in prayer that no matter what's going on in our lives, God is sovereign. God got us. God has our back. He's for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? What can separate us from the love of God? Shall plague, persecution, uh, lack of provisions, what can separate us from his love? God is spirit. God is our salvation, and God is sovereign. And if I knew that he was sovereign, I knew that I could live and exist in confidence in his nature. And let the chips fall where they may, because if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Now, in this first lesson, we, we, we discussed several things in Ephesians. We went to Deuteronomy, chapter 10. We went to Second uh, Peter, chapter 1, and Ephesians, chapter 2. 
And we, we established that we must examine ourselves whether we are in faith. We must uh, uh, um, establish our heart to be open to God. And then we must equip ourselves with the knowledge of his nature, knowing that God is spirit, God is our salvation, and God is sovereign. And as we explore this in the nature of God, this will transform our perspective, and it will also provide a new approach to approaching God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that the dialogue and the deliberations of my heart have been declared to your people. Now, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Show the relevance. Show your righteousness in what has been communicated. We praise you for another opportunity to share your word and to learn more about who you are and why you exist. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you will do, because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. If you have not accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call on him while he is near. And harden not your heart. Say, you can repeat this prayer after me. I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. I thank God for the work that he did for me at Calvary. And if you did that, you are saved. And I would encourage you to get into a church this morning. Go to a church and go to the altar and, and connect with some people that will disciple you in the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can learn the ways of our Lord. Thank you for listening to Urban Glory Radio Sunday morning and Word. I'll see you next Sunday at 9 o'clock, our regular time. And um, in addition, next week I'm doing a new series, so keep trekking with us. Join us next week for some special broadcasts as well. God bless you. Have a great day.